BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. From the offices of Create and Cultivate, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, the host of Work Party, a podcast for ambitious women looking to create and cultivate the career of their dreams. Work Party is paving the way for a new generation of women, women who are redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. Every Wednesday, we bring in leading female powerhouses for real talk and BS-free advice on building your business. You'll hear from female founders, CEOs, entrepreneurs, creatives, and so many other badass ladies. Are you ready to create and cultivate the career of your dreams? Then tune into Work Party, the podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show and never miss an episode. Hi, I'm Caroline Stanbury, and I am divorced, not dead. I'm a former Bravo TV star and now former wife. Fresh off the back of my divorce, I'm bringing real stories, real life, real talk on all things that aren't said between each other, society, the sheets, and everything in the middle. And lucky me, you'll be joining me for the journey. So buckle up. So welcome back to another episode of Divorced, Not Dead. And today I'm very excited because I have the legend herself, an amazing woman that I've been, I've been watching you for quite a long time, Melissa Rivers. And I was a massive fan myself. So I've watched you. I think you're hilarious. Um, loved you and your mother as a double act. So funny. And I loved uh, Fashion Police. Obviously, that was my my thing. And that's how I, I sort of first found you, I guess. You know, I'm just so excited to have you on. And I just thought that, you know, you, this show is about sort of empowering women, fun chats, sex, love, men. And I thought you'd be a great guest to have on. Well, I am so honored to be uh, included in this. I knew you from um, the, the days of sort of the red carpet and we're not even doing much of that anymore. Are we? Is anyone dressing up in LA these days? Well, we're just opening up. So people are pulling clothes out of their closet. But, you know, I, I said in an article that the red carpet was on life support. And it got quoted as the red carpet's dead, but the red carpet's been on life support for a long time. What's fun though, is everyone, these last couple shows have been really excited to dress up. Like, I feel like some of the joy is back in it, in the photos that we're seeing. So I think that's fun. So at least that's kind of back. Everyone wants to pull out a dress. I think, you know, I haven't worn heels in God knows how long. I tried on a pair of heels the other day just to see, and my feet can't fit in them. Like we've all been barefoot and sneakers. Everyone's feet have just gone like wide. 
So putting on heels is going to be a challenge. Yeah. No, it's it's interesting. It's a whole new world we're stepping into. Well, first of all, this platform and doing what we're doing and I, you know, has sort of skyrocketed because everyone's stuck at home and with nothing else to do than listen to all of us have our chats and and do all this. And I think people are looking for so many answers. And, you know, this is why I think with Divorce Not Dead, it's hit so many people um, because dating now is, you know, is impossible. People are lonely. Impossible. Impossible. People are lonely. I mean, what do you do? Ask for a COVID test before they come over and you know, I was talking to a girlfriend the other day and she said, it's just so unromantic. You have to invite them to your house. You know, it's like, so what do you, the first date in your own home is awful. I mean, I haven't been dating at all. I think I've had one or two socially distant dates during COVID, but it was like such a non-starter and you can't really meet anybody. And most people I meet, I meet them socially or through work or whatever. So, you know, I've been, I've been flying solo on this one. My son was home for a huge portion of it before he went back to school. So it was just the two of us for, for quite a while, but we got it. We get on great. So that's not an issue. We learned, we definitely learned about each, about each other and how to have a healthier relationship in the way we communicate. Cause he's an adult now he's 20. You have to learn how to communicate differently. And we both got really good at um, letting things go. Well, this is what I wanted to speak to you in a little bit about, because like from a young age, you were sort of with your mother all the time and having a very famous mother, does that impact your relationships? Was she quite a big player? I can imagine if you were dating in how you conducted your relationships and now, you know, you, you, you're left with your son and you're, you know, well-known too. Do you think that that impacts your, your family and the way you date and... Well, first of all, my parents, you know, people are always shocked to find out I had a very traditional childhood where it was always very clear that what they did for a living was completely separate. Like I always understood that what, who my mother was on stage was not who my mother was. And my father was very grounding. We sat down to dinner every single night. If my parents were going out, my dinner was brought up into like their dressing room and I ate dinner there with them while they were getting ready. Like it was a very, people don't realize like I had such a grounded traditional upbringing, educationally, you know, chores, you know, expectations. I know we're not supposed to have expectations anymore, but I did. And I think that's why I didn't go off the rails. And I've created the same environment for my son, especially because he had grandma and me and all this. But to understand that there's definitely a difference between home and work. And that is, for me, is what kept the fame and the notoriety in balance. The first time it really impacted me negatively was when my father died. But it takes a lot of discipline. I mean, my parents would work their schedule around. First of all, nobody was gone for more than two weeks without everybody going. So nobody was an absentee parent. If it was two weeks, like when my mom was working in Vegas, my dad and I would fly up every weekend. And we were a family then every weekend because my mom wasn't home during the week. At least one of them was at every game, recital, event, to the point where when I was in high school, I was like, 
why are my parents the only one that make it to everything? You know, it would make me crazy. So I think because of that very traditional upbringing, when I was dating, it caught, you know, as an adult, after I got married, it caught me by surprise when my mom's like, you need to be much sluttier. Cause I was raised so differently. She's like, you need to put it out there. I'm like, oh my God. You're like, wow. I love that. I wouldn't have thought that she would have been like that. I would have thought she would be like, stay home, young lady. Oh no. My mother was like, you know, enjoy it while you're young. Show it off. Why, you know, that slit on your skirt can be up to your hip. It's much higher. You know, she was always like, stick them out. Why is your shirt not open all the way down to your belly button? How amazing. And especially after being raised so in such a, I mean, my dad was European. So in a very formal, traditional household, you know, I, I was the last one of my friends allowed to wear heels. And yet once I hit an adult, my mom's like, girl, shorten that skirt, push up those boobs, put on some lipstick and head out. I mean, I, I had the same, I had a very traditional upbringing too. You know, I think when I went into dating and all that kind of stuff, I mean, I, I, I couldn't wait to get out of the house because I wasn't, you know, didn't get that much freedom back then. But that's what I noticed with you because also, I suppose, I, I don't know how old you were when your father passed away. I was uh, 18 turning 19. Okay, so I mean, that's, you know, a pretty major time in your life, you know, to, to lose a dad. And then did you feel responsible in a way for your mom? Very much so. For those that don't know, but everyone does know, my father committed suicide. And my mother and I immediately became some of the first celebrities to speak out about suicide. And we're part of a group called Suicide Survivors and working a lot with, you know, right now I, I'm on the board of a mental health group called Dee Dee Hirsch. One of, one of my big passions is preventing teen suicide. I think because I relate to losing my dad that way so early. Did you know that he was, was he depressed? Do you know what? Yes, but no one thought that's what was going to happen. You know, they were in a very tumultuous place in their marriage and careers and life. And they had separated and they, my dad was in Philadelphia on business and they made a deal that he could come home if he got real help, not just going to the therapist, but like real help. My mom was willing to work it, but if he, he had to get significant help because of depression, Yeah, which he, he had a tremendous depression and they agreed. And their last phone call was okay. You know, they were still fighting. They were still at each other's throats, but halfway through the conversation, my mother said, they stopped and discussed a new painting they had just bought and discussed where they were going to put it in the house and then went back to fighting. But my dad had agreed to get some help, not necessarily move back in, but to try and build a bridge. And um, that night is when he killed himself. So it really, really shook my mom. You know, so of course I felt completely responsible. And then as an adult, once I was a functioning adult, my mother took it upon herself to be the child in the relationship. No, I saw that. You kind of like it reminded me of like an ab fab in a yes. way. Patsy and Adina, off you went. You had to keep control of your mother. She was amazing. There was one time we were on vacation. I, I laugh because it's, it's so silly. We had chartered a boat and we were on vacation, a group of us. And accidentally, the captain had 
dropped anchor in what he didn't know was part of a nature preserve. And these boats come up and I forget where we were, but English was not the first language. And, and so my mother was yelling down to them, you know, oh, we're sorry. I'm Jonah, like the whole thing. They could have killed us. And to the point where she turns to me because she goes, ooh, wouldn't it be a good story if I got arrested? That would be great news. That would be a great PR set. At which point she went back into her stateroom to get something and we locked her in. We're like, you're not allowed to come out. And obviously the intention was not to be in the wrong area. The captain was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm, I didn't know, blah, 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 blah. I thought it was another coat, whatever it was. The point was not my friends, my, one of my mom's very good friends took her, put her in her room, locked the door, <laughs> sat in front of the door so she couldn't get out. Let's take a little break from the show and discuss something that's really important to me, which is personal growth and giving you the tools to do that. And I've discovered Skillshare, which have sponsored today's episode. So I really want to do a shout out to them and say thank you so much for sponsoring today's episode. And you can, with Skillshare, witness your own transformation. It turns small steps into giant leaps. Skillshare is an online learning community that offers membership with meaning, with so much to explore and real projects to create. The support of fellow creatives, Skillshare empowers you to accomplish real growth. They really do have so many different top classes. So they have them in an illustration, graphic design, photography, film and video, lifestyle. So personally, I was looking at things like YouTube success, taught by Marquis Brown Lee, or five ways to unlock your creative identity, taught by Andy J. Pisa. There are just so many classes that you can take that would appeal to anyone out there. So do something today that you couldn't do yesterday with classes designed for real life. Like unlike school and half the classes I ever took that I never used, these classes are designed for real life. You will use these in your everyday life. Skillshare is incredibly affordable, especially when you compare it to expensive in-person classes and workshops. An annual subscription is less than $10 a month. So explore your creativity at skillshare.com forward slash DND and get a free trial of a premium membership. That's skillshare.com forward slash DND. Let's go back to the show. But I love people like that. She's so self-deprecating, hilarious. And with her confidence, and I think that's something that we try and teach a lot of people, even with, you know, women, self-confidence and self-belief, you can get yourself in, in and out of anything. Yeah. I mean, the, the interesting thing is my mother in real life was quite shy and she was confident on stage. She was confident in front of a camera. She was not confident socially. And I sadly am the same way. I am too. People think I'm really rude. I'm not good in really big social situations. I get tongue tied. I don't know what to speak about. I get a bit nervous. And it's not that I'm rude. I just genuinely, I get awkward. I just don't love it. It's so funny that we're all like that. Yeah. I mean, and my mom, part of the pressure was people expected her to be funny all the time. And she always felt like she was disappointing them if she wasn't the person that she was on stage. That happens a lot with a lot of comedians. Yeah. And, you know, but also she's like, you know, obviously socially like her friends, that she was not the same person off stage as she was on stage. 
Yeah, she's not a performing monkey either. You know, at yeah. some point you have to be able to have downtime. And that's when she had me. <laughs> you you took over. You know, I, she gave birth to her own own sidekick. That's something I really admired your relationship, and you know, even if it was brought on by your the tragedy, but I think you were like that. For you were always sort of tied to the hip, weren't you? We were a very close family. There was only three of us. I was an only child, so it was very much you know the three of us. So when it became two, it became very, very hard. And then eventually I had my son and my mom used to be, you know, we're the three Rosenbergs again. And then when my mom passed, I looked at my son and he's like, I know her too. Are you easy with him? Are you relaxed with him? Or are you very, are you quite needy with him because of it? No, he would tell you I'm very needy, but you know, it's my only child and I'm mommy and he's my, he'll always be my baby boy. And we're very, very close because um, he has a good relationship with his dad, but most of his time, like 90% of his time was with me. How, how do you co-parent? Like, do you, do you find it easy? Did you have a good relationship with him? Because I'm, I'm, you know, navigating those waters at the moment and it's interesting. It was very up and down. Yeah. Very up and down. The hardest part, there were two really difficult parts. Because we separated when my son was nine months old. Oh, that is in the thick of it. Right. So when he started dating the woman who was about to come, as we call her now, ex-wife number two, it, that was very complicated because it's someone else taking care of your baby during custody and having, I mean, that was very complicated and not a good time in our relationship. Does it still have its ups and downs? Yes. The goal, though, after all these years, I mean, my son is 20, was to do the best for him. Can you go to an event together if you have to? Yeah. Yeah. We have because it's not about us. Yeah. It's not about us. You know, when my mom had her accident and was in the hospital basically dying, my ex-husband flew out. Oh, that's nice. He remained close to my mom and our, you know, our son needed him. And first Cooper wanted to go home. So we sent him home and for a couple of days and his dad had him. And then when things, when we knew things weren't going to get better, I got them both on a plane back. And John was, you know, he, he stepped up, not, you know, not just for our son, but for me, like we said, whether we like each other or not, we're going to be in both of our lot, each other's lives until one of us is dead. Yes. <laughs> That's pretty final. And once you accept that, the bottom line is it's really about the kids. So since him, how's your oh, we're currently, we're, by the way, we're currently in an argument and not speaking. We're only communicating via text since November. Since November, that's a long argument. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, you have good days and bad days, but I think, you know, I think for everybody out there, there you go. I mean, we've both said it. I've actually managed to navigate mine a little bit faster than yours into a good place. But I think I did exactly that. I went to him and said, look, like me or not, I'm here till you die. Yeah. And that's the fact. You know, you can't, we'd all like to say goodbye. I'm never going to see you again, but it can't happen. And I have three kids. So we, we've got quite a long time of this. So I'm navigating all of that stuff right now. It's very interesting. But how is your dating then now? They say I have a broken picker. If you were left to your own, what is your type then? that we are going to try and get rid of? What has been wrong? What is the type? 
they all start by being confident and being like, it does not bother me that you are famous or it doesn't bother me that you're successful or any of that. And without fail, that becomes one of the biggest problems, even with ones that are on, you know, I hate saying this, but we're on like the same financial level. It still has imploded because what seems like a fun novelty at first about being with me and all their friends want to meet me and blah, blah, blah eventually those men who are that still do not like not being the center of attention. So that's a problem. I've had two long-term relationships since two or three, two since my divorce, which again was 19 years ago, both of which lasted four years and they both imploded at the end for you know, some of those reasons. I get asked a lot about finances and things like this because it's a very good topic because back in the day, it was that the man should earn more money than women. Today, I don't think that that's, that happens anymore, that there's the one, you know, the one family, the one member that has to pay everything. And I actually agree with that. I actually don't think it should be down just to the man to provide everything. We, we have, you know, two arms, two legs, we can do it. We can get to work too, you know. So I, I have no problem with that. But it's, you know... I chose a much younger guy. He's 26. There's no way he's going to be able to afford my lifestyle. But, you know, he affords his, which is absolutely fine by me. You want someone where if you do the ratio that everyone contributes in the correct ratio for where if I'm paying this and that's this much of a ratio of my income, then your ratio should be similar. Yeah, I did it. Like, what would you be paying if you were living on your own? Because I've got nine people that live with me. So where's right. your rent, your bills, your this, your that? You owe me that. Money, it is a factor. But a lot of times, like, you know, you are in a very different position. I mean, as in you're very well known. I'm sure you have a beautiful lifestyle. A lot of men won't be able to keep up. So, you know, I don't think that it's, you know, today that when you have a successful woman and a lot of times that happens that you don't, you can't find a man to take, take that on. And I don't expect anyone to take it on. I expect now for me to at least not have to a feel badly about it, which one of them did made me feel bad about it. And two, again, like you said, just help out, just contribute. Make me feel like we're part of a team. A hundred percent. There's no way I'd be furious if someone made me feel bad about being successful. But, um, and you're right. And that takes real confidence in a man. And then I think also the, the fame thing, I mean, you live in Hollywood anyway. So there, you know, as we've learned, luckily that might probably helps because so many famous people in LA, like, how do you do it? Do you go on, you know, dating apps? No, impossible. Well, all, all my friends are like, you need to be on a dating app. I'm like, really? Really? Like, that's just not going to work for me. And the one that all the celebrities were on, Raya, was it? Raya. How about wouldn't accept me? What? I put in an application and I just, I'm still like, we're deciding. Like, I keep getting to we're hilarious. deciding? Like, okay. Like, you, you can I fuck off. Hilarious. <laughs> that I was not cool enough to be on Raya or famous enough or whatever it is or eligible enough or young enough, whatever it is to be on Raya. 
it literally now if they ever let me on, I'd be like, oh no, no, part of my shtick is now I can't get on. They have like, you know, young like models and supermodels and things like that. Maybe we're too old. I didn't, I've never tried. I I, I met my Sergio before I got to really, I was actually quite looking forward to dating, but you know. Oh, I, I hate it. Well, I think LA is really tough. I have a lot of very successful, beautiful women friends. I don't get it. I know that LA is brutal. I am at the point now where I'm pretty much have made peace that I am not going to have another major relationship in my life. I hope it's untrue, but I've definitely made peace with it, which has taken me a while. So then what do you decide to do? Uh, you know, do you, do you just have like nice dates, like nice flings, chapters? Because I call them stories. Like I think, you know, I think today that women should be open to all different types of things. And I think making peace with something, Melissa, is like amazing, to be honest, because the expectation of Prince Charming walking through your door kills a lot of people. And with mental health being the way it is right now in the middle of COVID as well, and people I get, especially, I mean, for whatever reason, I think doing this podcast, people think I'm a therapist, which I'm not, but I can only just tell from my own experience. But from my experience, I think when you put these expectations into your head and that your dream man's going to come through your door, then you're never really happy and satisfied in the life you're, you know, conducting right now. You're always looking right and left to see if something else is there. And that's the problem. Definitely part of the problem. Um, And I think for me, you know, the hardest thing for me are the majority of my friends are married or in long, long, long term relationships if they're not married. And a lot, when Cooper went back to school, it was really hard. Just like when he first left for college, it was really hard because everybody would go home with somebody and I'd go home to an empty house. And everyone had someone to hang out with on Sundays. And I'd be like, but you know what? I've noticed a lot that these marriages, a lot of, lot, some of them are amazing and I'm in, I'm interested, but other ones, you know, I, I, some people in marriages are the loneliest people I know. My friends are very fortunate. My closest friends all are in really solid marriages. And they am like my three closest friends, four closest friends. And they are all in very so- solid, solid, solid marriages doesn't mean that they've always been easy. Doesn't mean they're all hitting like their 20th anniversaries. I mean, they'll talk about that. They want to murder each other half the time, but they've all gotten very lucky, but they've also all done the work through the hard times. Yeah. And then I think you probably get to the other side of it all where you just go, okay, you've made, this is where I'm going and this is my person. Would you consider a, you know, younger guy like myself, or are you looking for someone older I would prefer someone within spitting distance of my age only because as you know, unless you found someone who's very, very special and very, very mature, which you probably have, you know, at this point in my life, I need, I want to be with someone who, who's been hit a couple times in life because they know how to deal with it. You know, I always say, at this point, the, those of us left standings are the ones, are those of us that can take the punch that life has beat the crap out of and we're still standing up. But you see, that's the difference. That's what I don't want. That's what's so interesting. I want someone that wakes up, you know, he fl- flings the window open and goes, oh, it's the most amazing day. And I've just had the most. You can, you can still have that. I just think for me, I need someone who, when the shit hits the fan, is going to be like, 
okay, been there, done that. This is how we work through it. That kind of a thing. Although at one point, one of my ex-boyfriends that I long-term relationship was 15 years younger than me. And it was a great relationship till it wasn't. So I'm not really close to anything. And of course you want someone who's optimistic, but you also, I, I want someone who's lived a little. And all of my guys that I know, all my friends who are just getting divorced or whatever, because we're all kind of at that age, are all dating 20-year-old models. One of them I literally just said to, is it really so necessary to be a cliche? But it's no joke actually thinking about it, because I, I was quite lucky with, you know, finding Sergio, but I would be considered too old. The men that I know getting divorced now, they wouldn't date me. I have three kids and I'm, I'm, I'm 45 this year. Did I see myself doing, having a do-over? No, but I'm actually living life again, doing a do-over. I mean, he wants a big wedding. He wants a baby. He wants all of these things. And, you know, if, I, if I'm if i going to continue eventually, I'm going to have to do these things again. I would love to have another child. I, I mean, and I don't feel like I need to be married to do that. I would love to have to go through the experience again. You definitely don't need to be married to do that. I've just had one of the top fertility doctors in LA on and it was amazing. My girlfriends are like, you've lost your mind. Why? Like, Why? You're so prepared for it now. I think it's great. You could do it standing on your head. We're all in the place in our lives where our children are all just getting out. They're laughing. They're like, really? You want to go through the stress of even getting into college again? They're like, do you really want to do this? And I'm like, yeah, I think I do. I actually agree with you. I, I could see it would be a great thing. You know, if you live at home, your son is going to move out eventually. What a great thing. This is the time to do it if you want to do it. And actually, the wonderful thing about uh, modern medicine and being where we are today is that it's not so crazy. You can go and have a baby if you want, and you don't need the guy. Yeah, I would I would definitely adopt. I only managed to have one. Years ago, I talked to my doctor. She's, she was like, we're not going through this again. Well, fair enough. I mean, there's a lot of children that need an amazing home. And, you know, you oh, could well, by the that. way, 100%. Yeah especially now. So it would be an amazing gift to give a child a second chance. And I think that's, I would love to do something like that too. I think it's an amazing thing. How old is your oldest? 14. I have a 14 year old girl and I have twin boys that are 10 and they adore him. So I've been very, very lucky. My, my sons are a little bit more, um, needy with me and that, you know, they get very jealous of my relationship and the time, but they're getting better that's why I was interested in what, what it was like for you having a son, just you and him all the time, because boys are very, very needy of their mothers and their attention. And it switches to protective. And yes, there were times when I was dating, he would get very, very needy. Exactly. How does that work when you bring a man into the house or you don't bring a man into the house? You have to be very careful. You don't just have someone show up one day you have to be very, very cautious and careful, you know? And, and that's what I would do with Cooper. It was never just, Hey, this is who I'm dating. This is my new boyfriend. This is this, like everything has to be baby steps. I also think it changes a, a lot. If the relationship is between them with the ex-wife, if the ex-wife is still, you know, not over it, it makes it a lot harder, right? Well, luckily the all the exes seem to be over it, but they, my friend took a, a page from what I came up with for him, which was have the, because my house, we had the pool, we had this, we had that. So nobody was sitting at a dinner table. And then she did the same. She thought that it went so well with his boys that with his, her daughter, she did the same thing. They went to a mutual friend's house who the daughter was close with and they all came over. So nobody has been 
trapped in a car in the beginning or trapped at a dinner table, forced to talk. They based everything around activities. Yes, activities. So everyone's moving around and laughing and having fun. And, you know, it's just sort of an afterthought in a way, the meeting. Yes. Which is great. I thought that was a pretty good strategy. It's a great strategy. And I think people really struggle with that. So I think there's, you know, any other ideas like that? Because that is a big question I get asked a lot is blending the families and how to do it, how to introduce somebody. And I said, what I meant by um, the exes being over it, it means that if you have one ex at home telling the children, I hate the new girlfriend or is daddy dating anyone, that also impacts the children so much. That's a horrible situation. It happens a lot. It happens a lot. It happens a lot, a lot. My ex-husband and I struggled and his, his second wife we all struggled negotiating around each other around her. Oh, and her with me and him with her dealing with me and me with him dealing with her. Like we ended up having to go to a couple therapy sessions with her. Uh huh. All three of us and really kind of figure out how to communicate what was off limits if someone did something that like if Cooper came home and said something immediately addressing it with them, it was not easy. They ended up having a, a, a daughter who was Cooper's half sister, who he's incredibly close with Cooper actually still has a relationship with his ex stepmother, but it's taken years. And the most important thing is we are the adults behave like it. But it is Do hard. Not bad mouth the other person's significant other. If you think there's a real problem, get on the phone with and discuss. Never put the kids in the middle or shut down any communication between you and your children. The problem you, you get is that children don't understand. They take information from house to house without really realizing what they're relaying just by default, they come home and tell you what they did or who was in the house or all of these things. Um, and I struggled with this a lot at the beginning of, uh, of our separation because, you know, they would take everything that was in my house back to him. And, you know, and I was dating at the time and he wasn't. And that made it very, very difficult. And, you know, then also he obviously... I'm two years in now, but like, you know, at the beginning he thought that, you know, I lost my mind obviously, and that this wasn't going to last either. So that was relayed to the children all the time too, which was a disaster. I went through that also because, you know, I had two significant relationships where we were living with someone and that then didn't work. It was incredibly hard for Cooper. And I look back and I say to myself, what was I thinking? But then I think, these were not insignificant relationships. If I had been married, nobody would have batted an eye. It's just that we weren't married. You can't put your life on hold. I have girlfriends of mine who say, well, I'll, you know, I'll move country or wherever it is. I'll, I'll, uh, you know, move house when my child's at school and we're talking about uh, gone to college and we're talking about eight, nine, 10 years. And you're like, you're going to pause your life for nine to 10 years. One of the trends here, which I find interesting and not necessarily in the best way is people have chosen to keep the hit kids in their house and the parents switch out 
who's staying. They have like a second and they, and they go in and out. So like one week, daddy lives there. One week, mommy lives there. Like, no, I think that's absolutely not. That doesn't work for me. Doesn't work for anyone. I'll tell you what, we discussed that. We actually, I went through everything because I just, we had a family home, you know, obviously we couldn't afford to buy, get two big family homes. Right. And I, I think when you leave a relationship, you do feel some sort of guilt, right? You don't want to like completely fuck up your children's lives and say, okay, we're going to move to two small houses. We're not going to have the swimming pool. We're not going to have this. So, you know, in your mind, you're like, okay, maybe we'll do it that way. But then you end up having, well, you have to have three houses, do you? Or do you, you know, sorry, you have two houses, but then what happens is then you have one really that's a flat where you both go to bonk somebody else, which is like, what are you going to do? You're going to, I know that he's just been there for a week with somebody else and he knows I've just been there for a week with somebody else. So, and then neither of our houses are really our own. We have no, none of our own space because I can't decorate the flat that the main house isn't really my home anymore. It's a children's home. You know, you, you don't feel comfortable in it. I, I think there is nothing worse than that. And I went through that a million times in my head because I thought maybe that was the nicest way to do it for the children, but it meant my life actually would completely be on hold. As would his. Yeah. And we wouldn't have any real stability for ourselves at all. And if you're not stable, the kids aren't going to be stable. No. And, you know, you know, being really unselfish or that word sacrificing yourself for your children doesn't really work in the end because, you know, you have to be happy. You have to make a home. You have to make a nest. You know, women, we love to nest. It's not the right way. And I think, you know, you have to, in the end, unfortunately, just rip off the Band-Aid and separate everything very, very quickly, you know. And, and, and but the thing is, no matter how much you want to kill each other behind the scenes, the second they're, they're like dogs, they can smell fear, children. The second they know that there is a prop that there is not a united front on most of the big things in life, they will take advantage of it. You know, that was even in the worst of times, my ex-husband and I would be like, okay, we have to have a united front on this. There are certain things that are not acceptable at both houses. We've learned that we're learning that now too. And I think that's, you know, I think these are some very valid points for people, you know, you can't really have different rules in one, you know, bedtimes have to be the same meal times, whatever it is, you know, that the routine is the same for the children and that you have to stay united because the moment, as you said, children will gang up on you and they'll pick whichever parents rules they prefer, which just doesn't work. And, and it means that they feel like they've got one over in you. And in the, in the, in the end, it's kind of like, you know, they, they will always side with the better side for them. But even kids who are who have parents who are not divorced. I mean, I used to work my parents against each other. We all did. It's what you do. Yeah. When you're in the house with the other one, when they go, mummy, 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 until you drop, the other parent is naturally there to say no and back you up. And we all know how exhausting children can be. My children are relentless. I have friends who's, you know, you know, they always knew if mommy said no, then go to daddy and daddy would say yes. And then they would do it and mommy would freak out. And I said, I told you no. And they'd be like, oh, well, daddy said yes. You know, I don't even think it's so much to back you up. I just think, you know, I think about myself as a teenager. It's like, oh my God, you totally, you went to whichever parent was going to give you the answer you wanted. Always. And it's harder 
Now, and that's with people in the same house. Yeah. I use my ex a lot to, to sort of put the final word in. I still call him at the end of the night if, if they won't give up. And I just say, deal with it because I, I'm, I'm done now. We had just recently a, a situation where my son knew I was going to, and now mind you, he is in college, that he knew I was going to absolutely say no to something. He went to his dad. His dad said yes. I eventually, months later, found out about it because someone messed up and put a picture on Instagram. My son forgot that I didn't know and put a picture on Instagram about a trip he took. And I'm like, what the fuck? So I call him, I'm like, what is this? Because I would have noticed if you had put plane tickets on a credit card. He's like, uh, 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 uh. I'm like, spit it out. So he told me, he's like, yeah, and dad said it was fine. And dad said my birthday gift was the plane tickets da, 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 to go visit his girlfriend. And I went bananas. And I went bananas at his dad. Like, and his dad actually apologized and said, you know what? That was really wrong of me. I'm like, yeah. It was really, really wrong of, uh, of you. And then Cooper's girlfriend, who I adore, came to visit us. And Cooper pulls me into his room and said, just so you know, she doesn't know that you didn't know that I came to visit. And I looked at him like, I own you. I own your ass so much right now. You have no clue. He's a, he's a boy. He's going to try his best, isn't he? Oh, yeah. But it was hilarious. All weekend, he was so anxious that I was going to like spill the beans and be like, oh, Cooper never told me. So he was like, because she, she thought you knew and she said the only reason it was okay to come, like that you had to know that she was that I was going to visit her because she's like such a good girl. And then I was just like, oh, your ass is mine right now. <laughs> Payback's a bitch. Yeah. Payback's a bitch. Well, thank you so much, Melissa. This has been so fun because I mean, it is... It is such a minefield, I think, you know, navigating two homes, children. It's being grateful and understanding what we all have because, you know, you have something pretty special that a lot of women out there would absolutely die to have. And you have a positive attitude and you have, you know, beautiful home, beautiful kid, um, you know, and, and you're able to go out and earn your living, doing your thing and meet amazing people. It's incredible. And I, you know, I love empowered people women like you and you have an amazing sort of happy, vibrant, you know, outlook on life, which is so important. I try and never forget when you're dealing with an ex, you can always be pleasant on the phone, get off the phone, go into your room, shut the door, take a pillow, put it over your face and scream. Yeah. I think that's some of the best advice I've heard actually, you know, do you can do that through gritted teeth, scream it out, breathe it out. I always say, you know, at the end of the day, you're really stuck with them and you really under, need to understand how to make it work in any circumstance. Sadly, you have to make it work. You have kids, you're stuck together till one of you is dead. <laughs> That's where we're going to leave this show. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Divorce Not Dead. Tune in next Wednesday for a new episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review. We'd love to hear from you. Follow me on social media at, at Caroline Stanbury for all the behind the scene action. 